Hello you lovely lot, I am back after my little break to bring you episode 6 from Alison at the Carryout Project. You might not think, you know, how does a, how does a period affect, affect a, a girl's education? Well, if they can't afford to buy, you know, period pads, they are forced to often stay at home. They miss out one week of their education. This builds up and up and up and up and eventually, sadly, um, a majority of girls end up just dropping out of an educational setting and not completing their formal education, which is really unfortunate. The Carriad Project aims to stop period poverty so that female refugees don't miss out on an education. The project would never have come to fruition without Alison being posted abroad following her husband's job. And it is such a positive thing to bring to a community that she is now living in. The audio on this one is a bit patchy, but stick with it. What Alison is achieving is too important not to share. So I really hope you find this episode inspiring. Alison, thank you so much for joining me all the way from Jordan. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this is the first international podcast recording I've done, so I'm a little bit excited and fingers crossed when it will work exciting. out. Exciting, yeah. So I've loved reading about you and I think my favourite part uh, is when you filled out the form for this podcast series and when you said, if you have an idea or see a need, address it. Anyone can help a cause if they are passionate enough. And I love this. And it's one of the main reasons that I started The Independent Spouse. And your cause is so fantastic, but probably not something that any of us um, think about, in all honesty. Hmm. So the Carrier Project is what you are up to. Please, could you tell us about it? Uh, so the Carrier Project is a non-profit um, project. And what I aim, I suppose my aim is to empower women um, and these women are local Jordanian and urban refugee uh, women and these urban refugee women they can come from uh, countries such as Syria, Iraq, um, Yemen, uh, Sudan, Somalia, all all sorts of countries and cultures clash in Jordan and it's fantastic really a a great celebration of culture Um, but unfortunately there is a lot of help for these women, um, but where we lack help here in the Middle East is with menstrual health, education, and um, products. So what I aim to do by providing reusable uh, period pads is to keep you know, girls in some sort of educational setting, uh, which a lot of uh, projects, NGOs here provide. So empowering through education and providing these products is is the project's main aim, I suppose. And is that because um, women, well, young girls are limited at being able to get education? So um, when refugees come to Jordan, um, they cannot actually attend um, Jordanian schools. They can't get into the Jordanian school system. So we kind of rely on NGOs, other charities and projects to provide some sort of educational um, setting. So that's the, that's the, the educational side of things. Um, and then obviously, well, maybe not obviously, I'm not sure. Um, 
you might not think, you know, how does a how does a period affect affect a, a girl's education? Well, if they can't afford to buy, you know, period pads, they are forced to often stay at home. They miss out one week of their education. This builds up and up and up and up, and eventually, sadly, um, a majority of girls end up just dropping out of an educational setting and not completing their formal education, which is really unfortunate. And it is, and it's terrible because the main um, way that I think in this country we are building towards equality is the fact that women and men are educated particularly well. Um, and you don't miss, gosh, a quarter of your school life um, because of having a period. And, you know, it seems ridiculous that anybody is limited from leaving the house mm. because of that yeah, yeah um, no it's a shame if these if these you know charities and government organizations are providing this sort of education mm. and they're not there to be able to take advantage of it absolutely and you know the the refugee community here the asylum seeking community um there are really really fantastic ngos the government um does provide some really good support um jordan Jordan as a as a country is so um, welcoming. There's such a such a, a positive clash of cultures in this country, um, but unfortunately, in this area of the world, menstruation is still seen as quite a taboo subject. So, not many people are willing. Even women, um, some women aren't quite willing to come forward and talk about the problems and the issues that having a period um presents which is what i'm i'm not on a one-woman mission but i'm trying to take small steps to try and address this taboo and you know just try and address it in some way shape or form in a in a delicate way and how did you find out about this because i i knew this existed because you know mm. you see things on social media and Hmm. but I've, I've never thought to take a step to actually do anything about it for my shame but so how have you fallen into this well it all started actually um in january of this year uh, a friend of mine called amy peak she fronts well she founded and fronts a charity called loving humanity uk and i was actually looking for some way to get involved with a charity out here that deals with um uh, menstrual you know education or aid in some way and my husband actually found loving humanity on facebook so i dropped um dropped them a message on their on their facebook page and amy got back to me we had a chat over the phone and she said well look this is what i could do with help with she came over to jordan um it was by complete coincidence that she was coming over to jordan i think it was the a couple of weeks after our phone call and I was fortunate enough to spend um, a week with her traveling around um, some churches and some centers that help refugees. Now her charity actually provides reusable nappies um, to refugee families here and while I was talking and listening to these families and these women talking about their babies and, and nappies, um, I was asking them, so what do you do about your period? You know, when you have your period, um, 
are you going to the shops and you buying pads because they they get given a little um, financial support, but it's mainly used on food. They put their husband's needs before themselves. And I heard some really heartbreaking stories of you know women using their children's nappies, um, women folding up pieces of clothing to use once a month. And it just really brought it home how much I was living in a bubble in the UK. And I had no idea what was going on in the rest of the world. And of course, we hear so much in the media in the UK about period poverty. And of course, I was aware of it. But I suppose I didn't realise to what level some women were, you know, really struggling with having a period because they had no access to any sort of period product pad or anything so that really spurred me on and I thought uh, I need to do something that doesn't seem to be many people here helping with that element of life. Which is really kind of um, inspiring and fair play to you for stepping up to do that and you're in Jordan because uh, you have followed your husband's posting I think. Yes so yeah we moved out here um, the end of summer last year um, this was my first posting as a, as a military wife, um, and it's been a really uh, positive experience. Oh, it sounds very exciting. And it's, um, it means that you've been able to start this amazing project. Um, but you weren't always a military spouse. I've been doing some reading about you, and you used to be in the regular army, um, which always begs the question, what did you think of us before you became one? When you were in the army, were you considering the military spouse um, and has your opinion changed since you've become one? Um, oh, a little bit of an awkward question to answer. I mean, I think um, military spouses, um, I think there's a certain stereotype that you think of when you think of a military spouse. I certainly had an opinion of military spouses, you know, just being these awkward characters, you know, um, with, with maybe a military spouse clique and a club. And I didn't have an overly positive view um, on the military spouses, if I'm being completely honest. I didn't plan to become a military spouse. I thought I would live out my days in the army. But uh, situations changed. I met my husband, and actually, I decided um, if we want to make this a relationship, you know, that's going to stand the test of time, we need to be able to be in the same location as each other. We need to be able to see each other every day, uh, or most days. Um, and I'm glad that I made the step. And actually, I've met so many fantastic military spouses now, and looking from the other side, it's so interesting seeing seeing it from the other side and the struggles that spouses do go through and how spouses just band together and there is an amazing support system anywhere you go as a spouse um, and it, it's fantastic and yeah it's really changed my opinion and yeah no it's a fantastic thing. Which is really interesting, and thank you for being mm. so honest. Um, no, I'm I'm expecting incoming after people hear this. <laughs> no, it's good because we obviously well, I spend well some time with my husband. I've been named mm. 
and they it's the same for us I feel it's the same for us that they you know the, the, mm. the men the boys and you know mm. the go off and they have their own club and then we have our very separate club um mm. but actually we're all sort of mingling together and it's interesting to see how we think of each other and trying to break those stereotypes is the main aim of the independent spouse mostly because um I well I'm not a very good housewife um and I also assumed that military wives were housewives that sang in a choir and cried a lot um and I do that too (laughs) (laughs) it's true I am a terrible housewife and I also cry and I love singing in a choir um but there's a little bit more once you scratch under the surface so it's really interesting to hear like an honest opinion Mostly yeah. so that we know how to change that. So, um, no, I really appreciate that. Um, mm. But also, I love the fact that you're embracing it and you're doing something positive with, you know, military wife life that can be different. Yeah. Um, well, I, to be honest, I feel like, um, I feel like as spouses or as a, as a family unit, you know, we for want of a better word we invade somewhere new every you know two three years you know however long you're posting it and i just think we have a responsibility to offer that not offer but to 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 make something of our time in a place we we invade a town we you know and we break our own stereotypes by bringing something positive to that area. And if this is something I can do here to break a stereotype or to help a community, I think it's a very, um, it's a very good thing that, that we can do as spaces. Definitely. I love that. That is a very, mm. pos- it's such a positive way of thinking about it. Um, mm. Because if you don't do that and you just, you know, think I'm not going to bother anything because we'll be leaving soon. Yeah, you just end up existing and not living. And that's sad. You spend 20 years of your partner's career not doing anything. um, Exactly. Which would be so sad. And there's so much potential and there's so many things that can be done. Um, So that sort of leads on to the next question. Does your your current military life, where you Mm. are not serving, has do you find that has hindered you or has it helped you? with the the project and how you want it to oh, go. Oh, so as in, I don't see it as a barrier. Yeah, no. and you wouldn't have started it because you'd never would have had this experience. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I never would have been taken out of my comfort zone, um, my comfort zone being the UK. I never would have been taken outside of that, and I never would have had the opportunity to see the way that refugees are living, you know, they and they are given amazing support, like I say, and Jordan is fantastically welcoming. And but there are there are um, areas that really need improving out here for quality of life for not only the ref- not only refugees or asylum seekers, but for local Jordanians as well. And I think the the fact that I'm a military spouse has obviously brought me out here and has just opened my eyes and my mind to just a whole other world. And I've just chosen instead of to be horrified, instead of getting sad, instead of getting depressed, and you could easily listen to some of these family stories and you could easily come home and just put your head in your hands and cry and think, oh my gosh, this is useless. This is horrible. 
how can we live like this? How can they live like this? This is horrible. But you've got to flip it on its head and say, right, okay, I've heard this story. How can I help this person? Or if I can't help this person, how can I help this community? However small, how can I make a ripple? And that's what I've chosen. That's the mindset I've chosen to take. And I think it's really, it's well, it's working. Um, the project is working. Um, so yeah, it, it, this this uh, spouse lifestyle, if that's what you want to call it, um, has been a real positive in, in that sense, for sure. And for those of us that are listening to this, that really want to mm. get involved and help mm. you, what, source, what are you after? Who are you looking for to support you? Um, I'm looking for absolutely anyone who has a passion for empowering women, for, you know, if anyone has an interest in, you know, menstrual health, education, um, even if anyone just wants to ask questions, you know, just to raise awareness of, of life in a different culture, a different country. And um, I've got my, my website, my social media accounts, you know, I'm not one of these projects or people that'll say, give me all your money. But if people do want to give me all, all of their money, that's fantastic as well. But it's more, um, I want to highlight, I want to highlight an issue or a problem and how we can all band together to help that, you know, be it through holding an awareness event, be it through talking about the project, be it inviting me, well, inviting the project to, to speak somewhere. Um, just to get the, get the project's name at the forefront of people's minds, um, especially out here, that's that's what's really important to me. And just getting a conversation started about periods, just getting that conversation out there. We have periods, it's healthy, it's normal, it's nothing to be ashamed of, nothing to hide. Um, it's... You know, that, that's, my, that's my main aim is to get a conversation going, raise awareness and hopefully raise some money in the, in the process. And I think we owe it to other women as, oh. you know, so I'm a woman who very luckily lives in a society where it's almost okay to talk about these things out loud. We're getting there. And I think yeah. I have a responsibility to other women who haven't got that opportunity um, to step up and, you know, help you and give you, you know, that little bit of extra support to be able to do what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, it's so important. Um, Absolutely. So if nothing could hold you back and you get the support that you're after, where where will the Cariad project be heading towards? Well, that's a really, that's a really exciting question, actually, um, because, I mean, at the moment, um, I'm trialing, I have a fantastic, um, sponsor company um, based in Portugal and they provide me with reusable period pads but for the future I really want to delve into um, being able to uh, sort of empower themselves be able to provide for themselves and to make ultimately I will end up moving back to the UK and I need to make sure that the project is sustainable and that I don't I can go back to the UK and I can at least step back a little bit and know the project is still working and keeping itself going. So where I see it going is um, 
I have very kindly been donated uh, some materials, um, a lot of materials, and I I've just finished designing my very own uh, Cariad reusable period pad, which takes into account the cultural aspects here around periods. Um, you know, just taking in consideration that a woman in the UK could maybe uh, machine wash a reusable pad and hang it out on the line in their garden and it wouldn't really cause a problem. It would be absolutely fine. Whereas here, if we were to machine wash a reusable period pad hanging out on the line, but A, it probably wouldn't happen and B, that woman would probably be in for a lot of, um, I don't want to say grief, but there would be, there could be men looking on her washing line and thinking, oh, that's a little bit dirty. And it's just going back to the taboo, I suppose. It's all a bit uh, not, not to be seen. So the pad I've uh, developed has um, sort of a, an insert element to it. And then when the woman comes to change the insert, she can just un wash it, unfold it, hang it on the line. And it just looks like a rag or a duster. Um, so there's no sort of negative thought. If someone, if a man happens to see, you know, the insert drying on the line, it just looks like a duster, which is great. Um, so hopefully we can, I've got a lovely group of expat ladies who are gonna make the pad for me because much to my mother's dismay, I cannot sew and I never learned. Um, so hopefully we'll get that made by the end of summer and we can start rolling those out. And hopefully the expat ladies can train a group of the refugee ladies to start making their own pads with the hope that the women could go and sell them at a, obviously at a very, very affordable rate and go and sell these pads to their community. And the profit that they would make from that would go into one big pot and out of that, would come away to them once a month or every two months, which I'm really excited about because that way we can give back to the to the women themselves. Which is so amazing and so inspiring because not only is it you know helping so many people, but it's it's giving them the tools to stand on their own two feet. Yeah, yeah, and this comes back to the this comes back to empowerment. We want to we don't I don't want to be seen as a charity. Charities are brilliant, charities do amazing work, don't misunderstand me, but I don't want to be seen as a, as a charity, you know, I don't want to be seen to be, I don't want to come in with the, the saviour complex, you know, it's very much, I want to be, you know, careful about my approach and responsible and if we can give women a skill, um, whether it's an existing skill or giving them a new skill, if they can make these themselves, go out and sell them themselves and bring, you know, a wage to themselves, it's, it's just, it feels a lot more comfortable to me than saying, you know, coming in and dropping things off, you know, once a month. And it, I just, I'm not comfortable with that. So this is just a way of me giving, giving something to them that's theirs and they can make money from that for themselves. They're not relying on me. They are just doing it for themselves. Yeah, it's all about investing in people. Um, mm. I know that I find that on the other end of the scale. So for the military spouses are often um, 
you know, people assume that we are one thing and we are told that we need to have certain things to yes. happy. For example, next week there'll be a coffee morning for deployed families, mm. which is all very well and good. But um, if it happens to be at two o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, when I'm in the middle of a webinar or if I'm, you know, in the middle of a meeting, um, it doesn't work. Telling people what they need doesn't work, but being on the ground and talking to them and investing in them is so much more important. Yeah, absolutely. And just making them feel like they matter, making these women feel like what they say is important, their opinion is important, you know, that that's how you build up, you know, a good relationship, a good, uh, yeah, a good relationship. We can't just tell people, okay, this is the period pad you need. You know, I, I've designed something and I'm going to, I'm going to get women to try them and I will take every single bit of feedback on board because it's, it's those women that matter. It's not my sensibilities. It's not my, um, yeah, I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is they are the important element, not me. Yeah, definitely. And that's the way it should be. Um, yeah. even in, you know, even in business, you've got always got to mm. think of your, your end user and you know mm. look after them because they want to you know support you just as much as you want to support them um yeah and oh, I love it it's so clever um and I can't <laughs> believe nobody has done this before you um in Jordan um and if only more of us could get posted abroad um inspired. um but that harps back to the fact that I'm still um, sat in the rain but anyway moving ah. on <laughs> it's the, it's getting towards the end which is really annoying because um it's it's I just love your project but at the end of each episode I do some quick fire questions um it's just a really interesting way to find out a little bit more about you um so the first one is who would you most like to see on the independent spouse podcast Oh, that is a very interesting question. Could it be absolutely anyone? Yes, as long as they have an inspiring story, then they are welcome to come and talk to me. Uh, do you know? And only because, so she's not a military spouse. However, my good friend Amy Peak that I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast is such, 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 such an inspiring woman she she's oh she's fantastic and she could inspire anyone to do anything that they want to do and she is the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing and I never thought I could do anything like this so she is definitely an awesome woman to speak with oh I like awesome women I will uh be oh she that. is she is the epitome of a strong inspiring woman she's outrageous she's amazing <laughs> i like her i will email her <laughs> um so talking about inspiration the whole point of the independent spouse is to inspire people and to let them know that they can they can do it too um but what keeps you inspired um i guess i keep inspired by surrounding myself with inspiring people i choose to be around people that bring something to the table. You know, they can teach me something and I just find that is the most inspiring 
thing really is just surround yourself with people like-minded people and just don't waste your time on people that just want to bring negativity and you know shut them out surround yourself with positivity and that's the best way to do yeah because otherwise they suck all the goodness out of you oh they are complete complete vacuum cleaners complete hoovers (laughs) (laughs) say that that's it oh yeah i've heard that before um yeah happy people we need more happy people supportive people. yeah absolutely and don't shy away from uncomfortable situations you know if going you know i i don't enjoy going and hearing horrible stories of people losing all their family members i don't enjoy hearing stories of people uh being you know chased out of their own country because of as they're a certain religion having their houses ransacked having brothers killed sisters killed parents killed i don't enjoy that but if i didn't take myself out of that comfort zone I wouldn't learn anything and I wouldn't have any sort of perspective on life. So I think it's so important. Push yourself out of your comfort zone. Make yourself uncomfortable once in a while. And it sort of slides into the next one, which is um, what is it that you'd wish you'd known before you'd started? Oh, that's a really tricky question that I can't answer really quickly. I guess I wish... I wish I would have known how tricky it can be to corral other human beings together to help a cause. So I've learned um, different ways of getting people to support me. And I wish I just would have known how to have done that as soon as I started because I would have gotten started so much quicker. But I've, I've enjoyed the process of learning how to get people to come together and what makes for um an easier time which is so very important as well um Mm. you've got to go through the experience yeah the whole learning process yeah so the last one um i've changed it slightly for you um Mm. what would you say to somebody who is about to experience um a foreign posting oh interesting um i would say well here's something i wouldn't do so uh when we found out we were coming to jordan uh the first thing i did was look at the gov uk website and the first thing i read was you know threat to life and there were these terrorist attacks these terrorist attacks and when i actually got here what i discovered was that jordan is an incredibly beautiful place when you get out of the city, it's an incredibly beautiful place. The people are so helpful. The people are always wanting to teach you bits of the language. They, I just, my advice, I suppose, would be just go into it. Go, just go full blast into it. Take it for what it is. Take it for the experience that it is. Learn as much as you can. Do as much as you can. Don't waste time moping around. Don't waste time complaining. Just do things. Just get out and experience it because you're going to look back in a very long time as an old person and think, gosh, what a wasted opportunity. Or you can look back and think, 
I made the most of absolutely everything and I can die a very happy person and a very satisfied person. Which I think is probably actually a metaphor for life, if anything. Mm. Um, yeah, you've got to do it. Don't. Absolutely. Don't, no looking back. Come on, let's just do these things. Nail it. Just <laughs> nail it. <laughs> Alison, I have loved talking to you and I am desperate to get involved. So how can I find you? You can find me on Facebook. Um, you can just type in the Carrier Project J-O. Um, J-O is in capital letters. Um, I've just got my website up and running, which is on www.thecarriadproject.org. Um, and people can email me if they like. Um, it's thecarriadproject at gmail.com. And I am happy to answer any and all sorts of questions. And I welcome any you know, advice or tips. Um, I'm up for learning from, any, from anyone. Oh, Alison, thank you so much for talking to me today. I know that everybody that is listening will be really keen to get involved. And if you were thinking that, then definitely um, go and give Alison a little bit of help. Go and check out her Facebook page. Go and look at the website and see what you can do because period poverty should not be a thing. Um, thank you so much for talking to me and sharing your story and no doubt inspiring a lot of people. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. A massive thank you to Alison. What an inspiring person. What she is doing is so important. So please do go and support her in any way that you can. And another thank you to you lovely listeners. As a few of you know, my lovely stepmum suddenly died just after the last episode was released. But I've been inundated with all of your wonderful messages of support and I am not sure how I would have got through the last few weeks without you. Military life can be really tough sometimes, but we have such a wonderful community and you show me just how fab you all are. So thank you so much. I will of course be back next week with another episode. This time it's with Andrea from Bees Clothing and Gifts. So I will see you then.